In my first episode, I discussed how the COVID-19 pandemic had influenced the firearms and ammunition industry. Without question, the industry as a whole has been crushed. The only positive being record sales in the interest of first-time buyers who are lacking in the trust of their local, state, and federal government to offer protection during this pandemic. Beyond the evident disease killing thousands of Americans, an ammunition shortage has now reared its ugly head. Some states have made it impossible for someone to purchase a gun. And for manufacturers, the outbreak has forced their doors closed, halting production and shipment of both arms and ammo. How bad has this situation gotten? Let's find out. I'm Eric Wright, and this is the Vegetius View Podcast. First, allow me to preface today's podcast by saying there is no federal mandate as a result of COVID-19 that has closed any firearm or ammunition manufacturer. Instead, these closures are the direct result of Democratic governors across the nation. They have unilaterally decided to execute orders forcing gun and ammunition stores both in production and retail, to close. Some manufacturers have won battles and been granted essential industry tags, while others have not weathered so lucky. CZ USA, a firearms manufacturer based in Kansas City, Kansas, was the first to announce any closures in the industry due to the coronavirus. This order was the direct proclamation of Kansas Democratic Governor Laura Kelly, who stated that CZ was to close till at least May the 3rd. For CZ, this closure, as well as another ordered by New York Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo, which closed their Dan Wesson manufacturing facility in the Empire State, has absolutely crippled CZ's business. However, according to Jason Morton, CZ's Vice President of Marketing, CZ has been able to keep all of its employees on payroll, a clear indication of a financially sound business. In addition to Dan Wesson Company, New York has also forced the closure of Remington Arms Factory in Ilion, New York. Herkimer County Legislator Chairman Vincent Bono said the Remington Arms payroll makes up one-sixth of the county's total economy. He told the Observer Dispatch there that the closure will be absolutely devastating to the families of those workers. Remington's upstate New York closure is more of a local problem. However, another manufacturer wasn't so lucky. While production continues at Kimber's new state-of-the-art facility in Troy, Alabama, it won't for long. And why? According to Kimber, the company manufactures a large number of parts in its Yonkers, New York facility. And since there is a state-mandated closure in New York, the Troy facility suspended production on March the 31st and has no definite date on when they may reopen. Another northeastern state governor, wannabe Republican Charlie Baker, reneged and reversed course, shutting down gun dealers in the state 
after previously labeling them as essential. Baker's declaration came days after the federal government declared the gun industry as essential. Other jurisdictions have backed away from mandatory closures following the federal guidance and revisions. Undeterred from Governor Baker's snakish antics, the Smith & Wesson and Eastman chemical companies have donated hundreds of face shields for use by the police and firefighters in the firearm maker's hometown of Springfield, Massachusetts, as protection from the coronavirus. Smith & Wesson donated an additional 300 face shields to the police and fire departments, as well as to the health department for use in its homeless medical operations. These other supplies follow the March donation of Smith & Wesson, which was 10,000 pairs of eyewear to area health care provider Bay State Health. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, the firearms industry trade group, said the governor's previous shutdown order had included gun retailers among those listed as essential. The group called Baker's amended order alarming and promised swift legal action against the Massachusetts governor. The NSSF General Counsel Lawrence Kane accused the governor of exploiting the coronavirus crisis to pursue an unrelated gun control agenda. I'd say he has something there. Democrats have long skewed statistics of the firearms and ammunition industry. But one that never crosses a liberal's lips is the economic impact of those companies within the industry, including manufacturers, suppliers, and retailers, and the $52.09 billion that funneled into the U.S. economy in 2018 as a result of work within the industry. And let us not forget those who depend on the industry for a paycheck, which according to Yahoo Finance, totals over 150,000 employed within the guns, ammo, and hunting industries. And the demand for work doesn't stop there. For an additional 163,000 people work supporting these companies. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the gun industry is responsible for more than 300,000 jobs and more than $15 billion in wages. To these classified and wannabe liberal governors across America, your mandated closures and attacks on the gun industry cost states money, but more importantly, it cost people their jobs. Speaking of liberal lunacy, I want to discuss for a moment New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo and his administration's decision to release over 1,500 inmates who he and his team deemed at risk of contracting the coronavirus while being incarcerated. On April the 22nd, details reveal that Cuomo's efforts have further put a risk to the lives of New Yorkers. Over 50 of the 1,500 inmates released have already been rearrested. The reoffenders, just over 3% of those released, include a Rikers Island inmate initially jailed for allegedly setting his girlfriend's door on fire and choking her mother, who was released early only to return to the same Brock's apartment and allegedly threatened to kill the entire family. According to the New York Post, 
Another prisoner who was accused of assaulting the Department of Homeless Service Officer was later set free, was rearrested for punching an agency sergeant just two days after his release. And yet another, one who was serving a 60-day sentence for theft, was charged with burglarizing a grocery store to the tune of more than $9,000 just three weeks after his early release. New York City Police Commissioner Dermot Shea stated he supported compassionate release, but only if we can do it safely, and said he feared prisoners were taking advantage of the pandemic. Are you serious? Does this really have to be debated? Honestly, should anyone be shocked by this? Are New Yorkers, or anyone else in the country, really to believe that prisoners would take advantage of such a system, particularly one that's allowing for their early release from prison? In a weak attempt to ease the concerns of fellow New Yorkers, City Mayor de Blasio stated that a supervised release team had been created to oversee the early release of these inmates. And there you go, folks. The liberal response to absolute dim-witted policies is to increase the size of government. As of April 20th, COVID-19 has killed 29 New York City police officers. More than 4,000 members of the NYPD have tested positive for the virus. And as of the end of last week, 5,324 uniformed members of the NYPD, about 14.7% of the uniformed workforce, is out sick. New York City officials and Governor Cuomo believe that releasing inmates, some with violent records, and hiring individuals within an already depleted staff to monitor these individuals and their activities is utter foolishness. I like to think I'm a pretty smart fella, but still, on my best day, I couldn't even begin to fathom creating a policy that puts citizens at further risk and adds to the already strained infrastructure of a devastated city. I can't make this stuff up, folks. As we wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank everyone for retaking the time to tune in today. We are proud to be a part of the Premier Media Group, and I want to encourage each of you, if you haven't already, click on over Take a look at the other shows available for download. Both the Jared Dyson Show and the Closet Conservative Podcasts bring about real issues facing Americans today. So again, if you haven't already, stop on over, take a listen. You'll be glad you did. In closing, I want to thank everyone listening to take a moment and ponder the direction our nation has taken these last few weeks and months. Seemingly overnight, our local and state governments have attacked our civil liberties from our right to freely assemble to our right to keep and bear arms. Those of the liberal establishment will truly stop at nothing to weaken our nation and our people, wholly set on making us totally dependent on the government for everyday life. As a nation, We cannot allow this to continue. We must freely live our lives as our founding fathers envisioned. 
and our right to self-protection and the preservation of our lives and those of our loved ones is essential to individual freedoms outlined within the protected pages of our Constitution. This has been the Vegetius View podcast. If you desire peace, prepare for war. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. The Vegetius View podcast is a production of the Liberty Loft. Copyright, the Liberty Loft 2020. You can find more shows and information on our website, www.thelibertyloft.com, or any of our social media channels. For gun and ammo products and information, please visit Vegetius at www.thejetiusfirearms.com. Dot com.